Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcast from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. And if you're listening to this, you could possibly be listening to it on iTunes because this show is finally on iTunes after months and months of saying to myself, I really got to get the show on iTunes and nothing would come about it. And so we're finally on iTunes. We're also still on SoundCloud. If you want to listen to it, just type in the Any- Anything Goes podcast and it will pop up. And if you want to see a picture of what the what the logo is, you can, I'll tweet that out for you if you want that. But as you can tell from the title, we're going to be doing a review of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, the very first one in preparation of the new Power Rangers movie coming out. Now, like every show, I have a guest. And who is with me today? Well, I'm a man who is also on iTunes. Oh, are you? And returning to the Anything Goes podcast. Yes, you are. It is Chris Maffei. How are you doing, sir? I, I'm doing fantastic. Oh, uh, well, that's, that's fantastic to hear. I feel like I just ingested a bunch of ooze. I'm ready, <laughs> ready to do this. Uh, I can tell your, your excitement is just oozing out of you right now. Oh. Oh, oh, my God. If you think that pun is bad, just wait. We're going to get to plenty of bad puns as we go along. But let's not uh, delay anymore. Let's jump into our review of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, right now. <laughs> actually jump into a review of the movie let's talk about a little bit our history with the show the power rangers and the many iterations that it's been involved with but we'll be concentrating obviously on the mighty Morphin era as it led to this movie when did you get introduced to power rangers overall you know i don't really remember a time when i wasn't into the power rangers as a kid it's one of those things where i don't remember the first time but it was like one day a switch went off and everything was Power Rangers. Right. Every, you know, every every birthday, Power Rangers. <laughs> every Christmas, Power Rangers. It was everything. I'd come home from school, and this was one of the shows that, one of the few shows that would be on like every day of the week. You'd mm-hmm. come over from school, turn on Fox 5, boom, there it was. So, needless to say, I, I got very, very comfortable with uh, with the Power Rangers, and they were really my first real superhero interest as a mm. kid of course batman but also right. the power rangers just even even predating batman really for me uh i loved the show obsessed with the show as a kid i kind of got out of it once it started to get into you know like the late 90s early 2000s because mm. then that's when wrestling took over my entire life so i had no no time for power rangers at that point mm. but uh since then i've i've watched most of the seasons up until you know, some of the more recent Nickelodeon seasons and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I'm pretty well versed in Power Rangers, mm-hmm. I would say. And this movie in particular, I saw in theaters. Really? When I was a kid. And I, one of the few specific memories that I have of childhood, because, you know, unlike, uh, unlike Chris from Hey, Do You Remember? Mm-hmm. I do not have these vivid, 
detailed memories of my childhood. It's really yeah, sparse. Yeah, like, I mean, like, it's almost like it's like, I forget the term of it. It's almost like a photographic memory. Flash, I think flashbulb memory. Yes. I think that's what it's called. Uh, I I have a flashbulb memory of going to the theater, mm. being um, with my friend and my sister, and my parents were driving us to the theater. We got McDonald's before. We went in the drive-thru. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember getting to the theater and just I can see the vision of us being outside and just me being so excited that we were actually going to see the Power Rangers in the theater. And then when we got in there, the only thing I remember from the actual viewing itself was um, like just like kind of like walking in and just being in the aisle. And like I think that might have been one of my first movie going experiences or Mm -hmm. at least the first one that I can remember. And just like walking down the aisle and seeing all these other kids and some of them were dressed up in costumes and stuff. And it was just really cool to me. Like this was the first because – there had never really been anything like this in terms of Power Rangers. No. You know, there was there was no movie to go to. There was n- nothing of that sort. And it was just kind of the thing that you watched at home after school. So this was a big, big deal uh, when the movie came out. And uh, I'm happy that I still have at least a little bit of a memory of that because it makes this movie a little bit more special for me. Because otherwise, I'm not sure I would have as much fondness for this movie. Right. <laughs> Having just watched it. Um. Well, like, all right, like, I know you say you don't have, like, a photograph memory, but do you remember your order that you got at McDonald's before you went to the Power Rangers movie? You know, it was probably some sort of chicken nuggets. Okay. You know, I I think I always went with the nuggets. Gotcha. I was never a big beef eater, even as a kid, and Mm. these days I eat almost no meat except for grilled chicken. Yes. Um... But, yeah, it would have been chicken nuggets. Yes. Big on the chicken McNuggets. They looked like a little boot. They were they were cute. And absolutely horrible for you. But. Of course. Um, yeah, like you, I, like there was – I've been a fan of Power Rangers since I was a little kid. Maybe not to the extent that you are. I mean, like – I mean, obviously, Batman was my first, like, superhero love and everything like that. But around that same time when I was, like, maybe two or three – like two to four years old, I was introduced to both this and Ninja Turtles at the same time. And so, yeah, like, all right, like, and sure, the Ninja Turtles cartoons and movies, like, all right, that's one love I have. And Power Rangers is one love I have. I remember, I remember watching it a lot on TV, like coming, like you said, coming up from school and turning on Fox five and, and be on every day, as well as I had a few of the VHSs that, um, oh, yeah. that had the really cool artwork on there. And yeah. it would usually be, They'll put a two-parter or something like that. I think, like, remember, like, it was uh, when Zach was still with the Black Rangers, like, Happy Birthday, Zach, or something like that. And uh, uh, I remember, like, I think I played the Super, N- Super NES version of yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, Power Rangers game and everything like that. And I remember getting this um, on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie on VHS because I did not see it in the theaters. I remember, like... I remember I covered this on a podcast uh, like a little over a year ago. Like one of the earliest movie theater memories I had was Toy Story in the same year, nineteen ninety five. But um, I remember because I remember that this is very interesting because the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers VHS box got the Disney treatment, got the big plastic uh, containers of like not just the paper. Like I love those. Yeah, and I think I still have it. I don't think I, I don't think I still have the tape. But I think I still have the case. It may be kind of beat up a little bit, but I have to, I, I'm curious now. I want to look at it. But um, I, I think I may have fallen out of love for the Power Rangers when I got a little bit older. I mean, I think what, like, just like you, when, like, late 90s, early 2000s t- took a hold, and I think uh, me seeing the X-Men for the first time, like, uh. in the theaters, and then becoming kind of, like, and 
after the like Batman and Robin came out. So I was like, ah, oh, Batman, I'm not too sure. But this Superman anime. Oh, and believe me, people, we'll be covering Batman and Robin for the 20th anniversary this year. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that. And then, yeah, and then it just became, like, a, a big uh, Marvel file for, like, the next couple of years up until, like, Batman Begins. And then balancing being a DC and Marvel fan ever since. Um, DC's better. Do you, we have a preference DC's for DC's better. I, I am I'm not, trying to send subliminal messages. Yes, we, uh, yeah, real, so, yeah, real subtle right there. Listen to music of the man. <laughs> it's like that Family Guy skit. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like those subliminal cigarette commercials showing like, I love Lucy, smoke. Go back, <laughs> go back to the commercial, smoke. Go back to the commercial, are you smoking yet? Like, that, <laughs> like that's how subtle these, these subliminal messages are for the viewers right now. Don't smoke. <laughs> don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't vape. Because you're a bigger douchebag if you vape than, than smoke. I mean, oh, just God. saying. Um, that's good. Like, people just turn it off like that. If Not for our DC preferences. Listen, yeah. listen, if you're vaping and you listen to this podcast, I mean, come on. Let's. What, what, what are you doing here? You're unique, one for one thing, for sure. But, like, not, maybe not in the best way possible. How did you stumble upon this if you're vaping? Oh, it's funny because... Can you listen to podcasts on your vape pen? I wouldn't be surprised. But, like, the funny thing is I've, like, made vape like jokes on twitter before and then immediately get followed by like three vaping like companies and stuff like that I'm like <laughs> i'm like auto, auto I'm like you guys don't realize i'm taking the piss out of you with this tweet but i'm like all right and then i go back the next day and like they immediately unfollow once they realize what i've done i'm like yeah that's what i thought <laughs> um i like to see their disappointed face it's like hey we got another one. Oh no we don't Aww. damn i guess we can't uh s- sign them up for our email list now well I mean, it's not like I have a bunch of other ones I got to deal with. <laughs> well, you know what? You didn't realize that Tim had a platform, did you? Yes, exactly. How do you feel now? <laughs> Still douchey. Don't, uh, don't vape. Don't vape. Um, but like you, like I, it's kind of like a little bit of resurgence of Power Rangers. Thankfully, because of uh, a link car in the top of the fourth wall, part of the Channel Awesome website and everything. It's glitter! Yes, and his history of Power Rangers and just found it really just like, oh, now I really want to go back and watch it. And I've watched this, his entire run of all the the uh, series. And for this, I was like, yo, I'm going to go back and restart it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Now I'm like, it's funny because our, a friend of mine, Mike, was supposed to be here because he, he's a little bit older than us. And he remembers watching the original show in his original run. And he's watched the Sentai and everything like that. And we, uh, he showed me a little bit of the Sentai, which is it's very interesting watching the Sentai versus Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But anyway, let's get to the movie itself. Now, it opens up the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. And it's, our, it's a big deal because we're getting to see the Power Rangers on the big screen. And they're going to have a big budget and everything like that. And how are they going to open the movie and everything like that. They open up with a, cr- a crawl. Not like any other science fiction movie I've seen before. Completely original. Yes. And then it's like with narration reading the crawl. I'm like, all right. If you want to crawl, have the crawl. If you want a narration, have the narration. I don't know why. I mean, I guess they're placating to really young kids and everything like that. I don't know. Well, you know, not only do we have the crawl, not only do we have the narration, it's British. Yes, because like like I said before, if it's not, if it's a British voice, it becomes incredibly important. Yeah, automatically. Yes, I mean... Either British or Morgan Freeman. Either take your pick. Yes. Gotta be one of those. Now, I wonder if there's a British Morgan Freeman out there. Like, if he has a doppelganger living, like, on a different Earth. I'm pretty sure British Morgan Freeman, if he existed, would just be, like... Zordon? The... 
Wow. <laughs> but, I mean, you can't contain that in a tube. No, He's, I mean... I think he'd be elected the leader of the entire world at that yeah, point. Yeah, at that point. Just British like, Morgan Freeman? British Morgan Freeman. I How mean, could you go wrong? Now I just want somebody to, like, Photoshop Morgan Freeman with, like, the Union Jack shirt, Union Jacket, like, T-shirt on or something like that now. Over an umbrella. <laughs> Mor- uh, Morgan Freeman doing Jack Gallagher spots. Oh, God. That'd be something to see. And so, text narration explaining of Ivan Ooze and everything like that, and who the Power Rangers are and everything. Just in case, if you walked into this movie, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think that this narration is, is more for the parents than anything else, because the parents are like, all right, yeah, Power Rangers, watch it, whatever. They're like, and now they're dragged to the theater. They don't want to be there. I mean, like, it's like, ah, oh, like, yeah, like, I assume your parents stayed with you seeing the movie. Oh, right? yeah. And I, the, like your parents were the audience for that narration, like, and they were probably just like, "All right," and it's and they're, they're yeah, they're Power Rangers. Okay, my mom was probably taking pictures of the entire thing. Let's be <laughs> honest, that's the type of mother she was. But this would not be the only thing that is there specifically for the parents in this movie. Let's be clear; we'll get no. to that later. Yes, and then the movie opens up with a shot of a plane coming from above, and I'm just like, "So Bane's gonna take over this plane in a few seconds, right here." But only. One of you. It's funny you mentioned that because the actor who's playing it, like it's Aiden something, who's like who played the CIA agent in the opening of Dark Knight Rises. And the funny thing is, because I'm going, th- I'm watching The Wire right now, and I'm almost done with the series. And he has a reoccurring role in there, and he's fantastic in it, and he's great on Game of Thrones. And I just, and I, and I'm like, this guy's a tremendous actor. And you wonder what went wrong? What went wrong? What, what with happened this? there? What happened there? I mean, like, this, just because, like, all right. So I know, like, Chris Nolan likes to shoot things real and everything. So they probably were on a bit real plane flying a couple thousand feet in the air. So he's probably really yelling. It's like, maybe that's why his performance just seems a little... Well, yeah, but they would have looped it in afterwards. Of too. course. I mean, like, it's just like every line of dialogue that Bane has in I, The Dark Knight Rises. I could see him just, like, sitting and watching the final movie and being like, really? They went with that take? Like, all right. I mean, it reminds me of a story that uh, Stanley Kubrick, when he was doing Dr. Strangelove, like... Uh, George C. Scott like would do a number of takes and you do a number of different intensities and like and Cooper said like this at the last take like go for it like really go for it and that's the take he used every, the entire time through and he didn't tell George C. Scott that he was going to do the huge performance the entire movie and it's like I feel really embarrassed now because I look like a fool on the screen. I wonder how, that's... how did we get to Kubrick from the... <laughs> from, yeah, who did get to Kubrick is Dr. Strange of the Power Rangers. Anyway, it's like a Wikipedia uh, wormhole that we just fell down. Anyway, so back to Dark Knight Rises uh, Power Rangers. The team is ready to uh, skydive out of the plane, complete with Bulk and Skull. All right. The, Bulk and Skull opens the door and they're ready to jump out. They don't have their shoes on. The Power Rangers were a few feet away. Like, if they fell, or if there was some turbulence, Bulk and Skull were dead. Unless they pulled a giant Utah and they jumped out and <laughs> saved them when they didn't have the parachutes connected to them. <laughs> oh, and you know what was great about this? We were watching this, and as soon as I was thinking about Point Break, you made a Point Break reference. <laughs> it was tremendous. It was amazing. And then we just had to, like, Insert like lines from uh, uh, Bodie and Johnny Utah as they, at the Power Rangers are fly, like doing their stunts in there, and they're like, "You got, you got to drop the gun, you, Johnny, if you want to save yourself," and everything like that. Oh, and now I just want to take this scene and intercut it with oh, the scenes yeah. from Point Break. Now. I am an FBI, FBI agent. Oh, 
So you get that sweet Red Hot Chili Peppers cover of Higher Ground by Stevie Wonder. Yes. Sweet ass song. I think it may be my favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Honestly, I'm not the biggest Chili Peppers fan, but that track I really dig. Yeah, you know, I think it's like one of two or three songs I actually know by them. Really? Yeah, I I never really got into the Chili Peppers either. Although now my friend Tessa, if she's listening, is going to absolutely murder me. So I will say that of the songs I know, I like them all. Okay. It's not like you you deliberately go your way to, like, bash them or anything. Not at all. Listen, listen, for, for the sake of my life i I would not do that okay and so the power rangers jump out and they land on a big bullseye and it's for like a fundraiser that they of course do because that's what the power rangers do because uh the rangers uh like the only money that's made in the city is through the power rangers uh (laughs) events that they put on they're high school humanitarians what can we say they do it all i i mean and then we're introduced to Fred and his father, whose accent we can't really uh, decipher or anything like that. It's rather strange. It's like the actor didn't know what he wants to do in the scene. Yeah, I, I, I was a tad uncomfortable with him throughout this entire movie. He, he really, you know, he looked like he was in a commercial for something. I'm just not sure what. I usually use a commercial for ooze, obviously. I mean, ooze. Uh, uh, I mean, with that, the kind of marketing that Ivan puts out, I mean, why wouldn't you want to be in a commercial for that stuff? Love Ivan ooze. Oh man, we'll get to him in a few seconds. And so, after that, they the gang decides to rollerblade to the juice bar, <laughs> and of course, you brought this up. The Power Rangers were always color coded oh, in all yes. their outfits throughout the entire series, and nobody is puts two and two together. I mean. I guess it's the same suspension of disbelief of Clark Kent with yes, glasses on exactly. and glasses off. And but I'm like like you were you say like they're color coded down to the rollerblades themselves. I'm like the rollerblades. Seriously, guys. They, they had their little skydiving jumpsuits yes. that were color coded. They have their color coded rollerblades. They could just walk around with the helmets on and people would just be like, hey, Jason, what do you not Jason? Hey, Rocky, what do what do you, you, okay, doing under the hill? Hey, they still wish it was Jason. I was just saying, Angel Grove. I assume you're not a fan of Rockies as the Red Ranger. Listen, no. (laughs) Also, also not a fan of Matt Heffy of Trivium being in the Power Rangers. Hey, love the band. He, I bring back Zach. Listen, I need the Zach attack. I need the hip hop keto. Who is your favorite Power Ranger? Zach. Oh, you're going to hate me for the one who, who's... I'm going to say what my favorite is. It's Billy. No, I gotta, why would I hate that? I like I would, Billy. I, 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 usually people crap on him no. as a Blue Ranger. He was an integral part of the Rangers for many seasons. Yes. That's an excellent choice. I mean, if the if the fans don't crap on him, the production crew crapped on the actor and everything like that. But that, those, that, story, that, those stories are, are well known by... That's it. a very sad state of things. And, yeah, and luckily, very, I think... A, a negative spot on on that TV show for sure. But no, the Billy's an excellent choice. He's, he's a great Ranger. He's the brains behind the whole thing. You know? Yes. I, I like Zach, mainly because he reminds me of our truth. <laughs> you, you, and your fascination with our truth. Me and Ron Killings. Yes. Uh, side note about Zach. You mentioned VHS tapes before. I had the official Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan club kit. Really? When I was a kid, and it came with this VHS, and it had these little bits about them talking about like thing. You know, the actors talking about like things they like or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the actor who played Zach, 
he was talking about like his favorite foods or something like that. And he mentioned that he really liked um, cookies and cream ice cream. And then he sang a little song and it went cookies and cream or something like that. And every Real time, creative. And every time, every time for my, my entire life, from the moment I saw that, Anytime someone says cookies and cream, I get the mental image in my uh, in my mind of him sitting on the steps of the juice bar set singing cookies and cream, and it is it, it, for my entire life. I, I think on my way home, I'm going to buy cookies and cream ice cookies cream just, and, and just send that to you periodically. <laughs> I want to try to find that on YouTube, and if I can find that, I'm going to send it to you because oh. it's it's tremendous. Oh my god! Anyway, so they're on the way to the juice bar, and uh, we get to see the monorail at the very beginning, so we get that set up a little bit. And we realize Angel Grove looks a little different as compared to the TV show, uh, because this movie was shot in Sydney, Australia, and around Australia overall, versus uh, California. Well, it's all the humanitarian efforts that the Power Rangers have put in. Clearly, they have been able to move their entire city to a different city. Different continent altogether. They pick. They picked it up with a big crane, they, or maybe the pterodactyl flew it over. They oh, like God. attached it with chains, and they and they moved to a different. Listen, they're putting in hard work. Sp- like reminds you of SpongeBob SquarePants. Why don't we take Bikini Bottom and push it somewhere else? <laughs> that is the dumbest idea I ever heard. Let's do it. Anyway, and then they're about to go into the juice bar. And all right, oh. well, are, well, are they going to the juice bar or are they rollerblading to Eden Hall from D three, the Mighty Ducks? <laughs> because you both can, those are those both of those are plausible. plausible. I I want to see the movie where the Power Rangers like Zordon dies and then they have like Coach Orion becomes their new leader. See that he, he would that, whip them into shape. That's the mashup I want to see. My name is Coach Orion. <laughs> you can call me Coach. Or Coach, Coach Orion. Orion. I, lo- I love that man. Uh, love him. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to handle him and Ivan Ooze in the same movie. I'd, no. It'd, it'd be a love fest. But um, but then it would, like one of them would get angry and smash something, and they had to send him to back to the command center as a punishment and everything like that because they can't deal with him it, being it, on the it, team. It'd be a big mess. That's my Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's my ducks. You know, rollerblading in general is the most 90s thing possible. It's not the most 90s thing in this movie, that's for sure. No, but the no, soundtrack. That's, that's the scary thing. Yeah. No, I, th- I think even more 90s is the kid with the backwards hat. I mean, that's every movie. Yes. Every movie that kid. Now, I know people who still wear the backwards hat every now and then. Oh, like, yeah. But, like, for some reason, just it's not a snapback or anything like that. And he's got a person a certain way i'm just like oh my god you are so your time right there yeah he's the he's the spunky kid with the backwards hat and you know he gives everyone lip you know and like it like his dad's like like all right later on in the movie the parents become possessed by uh, ooze and everything like that i don't think his father's possessed by ooze i no. think his, his the father wants to leave fred he yeah i think he did all that on his own on his own volition he's yeah. like just he's walking to like at the end of the movie when all the parents are told to go leap to their doom he doesn't be told twice he's like all right fine i get the i get away from my son and his backwards hat like <laughs> i am i am ready and willing to jump into this ravine i rue the day i bought that hat and let me tell you this. <laughs> I mean, like, if only, like, Clara and, like, her and her character riding by, and he would jump on, like, all right, let's keep going to the ravine. I'm kind of glad that that snake spooked my horse, otherwise, otherwise we might not have met. 
Claire, Clara, Clayton. She fixes her hat. Anyway, back to Power Rangers. So the Rangers are summoned to the command center, which I love the fact that you pointed out, like, it still looks like like just a really bad matte painting on top of a mountain and everything. Oh, yeah, the, the, the exterior. Oh, yes. yeah, that, that looked like shit still. But And you think the interior looks like shit. You do not like the design. I don't, I don't like the new interior, no. I, I, I like the old, you know, as cheesy as it was at the show, it just looks so much cooler. This one, you know, it was too bright. The old one was dark. Mm. It had kind of a we're not entirely sure where we are type yeah. of feel to it. This felt like you're in just any random, you know, technological movie setting yeah and i think like the thing is with the original set and the movie is because there were so many primary colors in the environment yeah and you had like the like the blue floor and like the red backgrounds every part of it and everything this is just like i don't know they could be building the terminator in, in, yeah. in inside the command center which i'm not surprised they i wouldn't be surprised if they were doing that and another potential crossover there oh god that'd be even crazier at the same time as they go to the command center and deal with zordon saying there's a new evil uh being discovered construction site is opening up the grounds to the teenage mutant ninja turtles and they pull out a giant egg that zaps one of the construction workers and the power rangers told go and stop ivan news before he's released and i'm like so i wonder like are they supposed to save ivan news was not uh, release. Were they supposed to take the giant egg and everything and just toss it into the sun or something like that? Like, what were they supposed to do? Well, I'd like to think that they'd give it to Egghead. You know... He would know what to do with all the eggs. Especially throw it at the satellite in Lego Batman and everything like that. <laughs> or they could have given it to the Easter Bunny. <laughs> That's true. And, oh, by the way, we uh, a few friends and I might be doing a special Easter podcast. Really? We may do we may review what? Passion of the Christ. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I tried to and like try like make it comedic as possible. We it's going to be a challenge everything like that. And we're like, "Oh god, this is going to be this is going to be tough." It was a long day and I'm driving home from my second job like how hilarious would that be if we were able to make that to make that funny. <laughs> challenge accepted. First 3 seconds of the movie. Jesus oh, Christ. Christ! Well, yes, it is. Like, all right, well, we can't use that joke again. Uh, okay. Anyway, the egg is being uh, left there overnight with the security team that just like, all right, let's just uh, protect this giant egg. Let's not call the cops or anything like that. It's nothing like the news team would want to show up. Grand, this town is used a giant monster stomping around, so I guess a pink egg is not too uh, to really. Uh, call too much attention to yeah this so, is this is before twitter so people aren't used to eggs coming at them all the time uh so lord zed and rita and goldar and a pig i i, I forget the guy i forget the creature's name and everything like that just show up they <laughs> they just uh zip down to earth and crack open the egg and we get introduced to probably the most entertaining aspect of this movie ivan ooze ivan ooze the absolute best part of this movie. Yes. Let's be honest. If I ever watch this movie again, it's because I remember how much of a fucking hoot Ivan Ooze is. <laughs> For the very first moment he's on screen, you're like, oh, I think it's Paul Freeman is the actor's name. Uh, yeah. Um, you, people... Um, no point. relation to Morgan. No. Uh, Sadly. Just the, just as great, though, I, I think. Uh, he was he played Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark in the first Indiana Jones movie. He also played the priest in uh, Hot Fuzz. Etc. Etc. So the guy has a very long career, 
and he loves just every moment he's on screen. He knows like he's so delightful. Yes, and like he's like, all right, I'll be willing to sit through by hours upon hours of makeup. So I'm gonna have a good time doing this. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be have sour grapes about this. I'm gonna live it up. And I love the fact that uh, the ooze just kind of looks like the slime from Ghostbusters Two and everything like that. Like, of course, just the yeah. evil pink, like purplish ooze is just evil. Like now, so it just now we're just associating purple and pink to be evil, despite being a pink Power Ranger. But that's beside the point. And so, Ivan Ooze. Summon some goons once the te- the Power Rangers arrive, and weird dreadlocked ooze creatures. And I love your comment about it. You say it looked like Finn Balor at one yeah. point. And I'm just like, oh my god, he does look like Finn Balor. And it's like, uh, strange, because they have a big fight scene, the very first big fight scene in the movie, because the Rangers morph because they... It's not like they're dealing with the putties or anything like that, where they can kind of take them without being morphed at this point. Like any fight scene, they just, they should just automatically morph. Which always begs the question. I presume it, it happens simultaneously when they are saying, like, like let's say they're their animal and they morph and everything like that. But in the show, it takes between thirty seconds to two minutes for them to morph, depending on how big the team is. I would love just to cut to the enemy standing there. Waiting for them to finish morphing. Like, you know, they're really kind of defenseless right now. We could attack. No? All right, I guess we'll just wait until they're done. Uh, that would be a, a fun premise for a short film. Yes. And just like, 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 Stand with you, Tiger! Like, we could get one of them. We should do something. Are we going to do anything? No. It's the gentlemanly thing. The wing. Oh. Mastodon! Oh, like, they have a new album coming uh, out. Oh, yes, they do. I'd be like, I heard it rocks. Yes, I know. <laughs> Or, and like, what if like the what if like the like because they've had problems with the the power morphing grid in the past. Like, what if that happened while they're mid morph or anything like that? And like, just their shoes morph. It's like, all right, uh, crap. Now, what are we gonna do now? I mean, like, I guess I'll hit you with these now and everything like that. Anyway, your feelings on this fight scene? Because right? you had a few choice words about it. Well. First of all, you never really get to see on the show, you never get to see the Power Rangers in a nighttime setting, you know, mm. morphed and fighting. Because obviously, most of the fight scenes are coming from the Sentai, and that's all filmed in the, you know, the gray skies of Japan. Mm-hmm. But it's just really interesting. And that was one of the things I noted even as a kid. I was like, whoa. They're walking around this cool, where are they? Are they like a parking garage or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I assume it's attached to the construction site. And, and it was just a really cool thing because it's like, this feels major league now. Yeah. You know, a lot of things in the movie look like garbage. You know, let's make no bones about it. But I think this looked really cool. The suits were upgraded. They looked a little bit, you know, more robust. Mm-hmm. They looked like they could really stand up against, uh, you know, more substantial villains other than the putties. Yeah. And it's nighttime. And you don't get the power range at nighttime. So I thought this was really something that I'm glad they did in the movie mm. as opposed to just have them fight in daytime like they do all the time in the show. Right. Now, the fight itself, they're just flipping all over the place. It's like 205 Live. <laughs> there, there was one point where Kimberly just starts back flipping away from uh, from the, the whatever, the Finn Balors. <laughs> and then Billy's like, all right, I'll join you. And then he, and then he starts back flipping. They're both back flipping at the same time. It's like watching Ricochet versus Will Ospreay or something <laughs> like that. And then all of a sudden, someone else comes like, 
spinning into the frame. Yeah, it was Adam insane. gets gets like like corkscrewed into yeah. the, like, <laughs> uh, and like he's he's accompanied by a sound effect too. Like there's like. Yeah. <laughs> And splat lands on his face and everything like that. And I said, that's how I want to enter every room I go into now. Just corkscrew flip into a room uh, <laughs> and everything. And um, going back to what you were saying before, like a lot of stuff looks crap. Looks like crap because it doesn't hold up. Now, do you mean like just the CGI mostly? Or is there anything else that really stands out that looks bad to you? I think it just looks cheesy overall. Okay. It doesn't, you know, even... You know, look to superhero movies of the 90s. If it wasn't a Batman movie, it probably looked something like this or, mm. you know, on, on, on kind of like a, a low budget scale. Yeah. Like, you know, just think of any anything that wasn't, you know, the Burton Batman movies, because mm. I'm not going to say the Schumacher Batman movies really looked all that visually impressive they they kind of had the same type of feel that yeah I, I feel like bit. the these villains could like i even said like one point like uh ivan news goons look like they belong in batman and robin yeah i mean like they should be part of like the neon at, gang yeah they, they, at that point yeah um and i, I would kind of love to see a showdown between ivan ooze and mr freeze that i mean the, just the, just the puns alone. The, the, the pun yeah the puns alone would just be it, it would be plentiful to watch you know <laughs> Yeah, let me talk about Ivan Ooze for a minute here. Because, okay. Like, from the first moment I see him, the first thing that pops in my mind is that for some reason he kind of reminds me of Uncle Leo from Seinfeld. <laughs> and I don't know why. He just kind of looks like that. Like, if Uncle if Uncle Leo was, like, a morphological being or whatever <laughs> Ivan Ooze is, I just picture him looking like that. And also, you cannot tell me that the front man of Disturbed didn't watch this movie and say, you know... I want that on my chin. That's my new facial hair icon. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. I'm trying to remember, like, how does the, like, um, Down with the Sickness start? Like, the kind of, like, the whisper. <laughs> and he's like, ooh, like, ooh. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, no, Ivan, Ivan, he, he plays a fife. And then destroys the entire command center. Yes. Like, how much can you rule? Yeah. Um, and he com- destroys the command center, and Zordon he attacks Alpha. Zordon is incapacitated. The Power Rangers lose their powers right after they destroy the... They splat all of Ivan uh goons. They, ru- they hightail it on foot back to uh, the command center. So, hours later, they eventually get back, because it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. They open the doors rather easily, even though he's supposed, to be, no, he's supposed to get in there, but I presume power's off, power locks are off. Yeah, everything's done. Um, and we get to see Alpha is okay, Zordon, not so much. He's kind of in a physical state, and you had a few choice words about that. Well, first of all, he looked like he was wearing a prototypical Snuggie. <laughs> Either that or he... It, it's cold in those tubes, you know? He has to keep <laughs> well, himself warm. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, I imagine. Either that or he looked like he was coming out of a giant artichoke heart, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about Zordon being physically there because I'm not sure within the context of the show that's how that's supposed to work. Mm. Now, it's explained that he's a human in a time warp, right? Yeah. I always assumed that he was being projected from somewhere else. Mm. You know, kind of like he's in the speed force. This is a projection or something like that. Right. To put it in like flash terms. Mm. I never actually thought, well, this is just a guy in a 
tube of barbicide and his face is just really big for some reason. And that totally is barbicide. Every time you get a haircut. Rangers. I, uh, someone sticks a big comb in his <laughs> I mean, I always thought that was just kind of like his essence or anything or his yeah. spirit or his soul or anything yeah. like that. I mean, for the sake of to make it like dramatic, making it physical, okay, I'll go with that. I just find it funny that it looks like he's being powered by the Superman crystals from the Forces of Solitude yeah. and everything like that. I'm just like, is baby Kal-El underneath you, Zordon? Move over, you're killing him! Would have been a better movie. Oh, jeez. And then they say you have to go to a different planet. I forget the name of the planet. It starts with uh, Thados. I think it's I think it's pronounced Fedor. Fedor. Oh no, that's a that's an MMA fight. <laughs> they have to go to the, to get the great power because that's the only other power source that could restore the power of them and everything like that. So Alpha beams them to there. Zed and Rita watch the Power Rangers escape from their moon uh, base. Ivanus saunters in, shuts up Rita with some ooze to the mouth. And then says, you know what, Zed, Rita, I've had enough of your shit anymore. He puts him in a snow globe. <laughs> he makes him a Christmas ornament. <laughs> what a Damn, delightful a man. A pair of dingledorks into a snow globe. That, that's what they said. Dingledorks was the... His exact word. What a delightful man. Now, once, of course, going back based on cartoon logic, if you're smaller, your voice gets higher. So they had chipmunk voices. <laughs> so I want somebody to dub all the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger episodes with Lord Santa Rita with chipmunk versions of their voices and how much funnier would those episodes become. Now, you know, you know what's really funny about this? I've always thought that Goldar and Zordon, um, Goldar and Lord Zed represent the two different vocal styles that Chuck Schuldiner used on the on the Death albums. Yes. So Goldar is like the first few albums when he's really, really low. And then when he started to get a little higher around like symbolic, then that's Lord Zed. Now, the mini Lord Zed is <laughs> the sound of perseverance. This. Yes. So it cut it- Rangers! This! This! Great cow! Oh my god the, He the sounds tra- like Sound of Perseverance Chuck Oh wow You say like How do we get the Kubrick From Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Like somebody say like Wow how do we get The Death Albums From Mighty Morphin Power Rangers But you know but- what If there's one person out there Who gets that reference Then it's all worth it And and that person Does not vape That's for sure Oh well, definitely not Yes And so Now that they're in the snow globe And everything like that And Goldar brings out so, boss, what are we going to do about the Power Rangers? I, I used to be able to do Goldar's voice pretty easily and everything like that. <laughs> and so he spits up some more ooze to create more. He makes... Okay. This movie came out in between seasons two and three. And in season three, we are introduced to the Tangas as a new form of villains that the Rangers have to fight. These things look very similar. Now, there's probably some fan that they're just pushing up the glasses on their nose. It's like, well, excuse actually. me. Yeah, I know. It's comic book guy and everything like that. I mean, it's not the worst thing. I mean, Dakota on our Star Wars episode, like, scorched the earth of Star Wars Redditors. So, do you oh. know what? Like, everything like that. Anyway. And so, I always thought, like, all right. So, they fight the Tangas a second time in the show. And they don't. Re- but you brought up the point that these are probably different. They are. Um, they, these are the Tengu yes. warriors. Because somebody had to, like justify their writing credit yeah so it's like, oh it's not the tango warriors it's the uh tengu it's the dingo warriors Warrior. that's for sure t- <laughs> <laughs> oh man no but the, the tengu warriors they have their own cool little theme song there it's like a little little dancey track there yes and then um so they fly off to fight the rangers and everything like that at the same time 
Rangers land on the planet looking for the great power and everything. They're being watched by a mysterious person in a cloak and everything like that. And they find skeletons all about the planet. Same time, Ooze is launching his new plan of sending out Ooze to the parents. And you're already smir- smirking, so what are you thinking there, sir? I'm just thinking of the line of, uh, it was either the pig or Goldar saying to Ivan Ooze, well, they might find you disgusting. And then Ivan Ooze, without missing a beat, goes, well, I suppose you'd be the experts on that. <laughs> uh, I love this man. Yes. Oh, man. And then, so, Ivan Ooze says, wants to take over the world, and he takes over a factory to create his ooze and everything like that. So, he uses a factory to create a product that brainwashes people into doing something and becomes subservient. He uses consumerism to his advantage. So then Batman, uh, in the next scene, he's, uh... (laughs) This is Batman 89! Yes, it is! I mean, even to the point where Alpha and Zordon are watching the news report of everybody and... Like the news the is going ooze on. Report. The ooze report. And then Iron News cuts into the middle of the broadcast for a commercial. And what, like, I'm sitting here wa- watching this and I even say, New Approved Joker Products! And I'm like, oh my god, it should be Smilex and everything. You know, I love that, Ivan. <laughs> Ivan Ooze, probably my favorite Joker. And also, after this, my favorite rapper. Because all of a sudden, he just started spitting bars. Oh, and like it's delight- this, this man could, could this man be any more delightful? Buy him in boxes, buy him in cases. If your parents try to stop you, throw it in their faces. I love it. Oh, I think you need to take that audio clip and put a beat behind it now. Uh, we need to do something with it. Like it's this this guy. You know, it's like you, you think of like rapping characters in kids' movies like Kazam, and it's usually really cheesy, right? Yeah. But this, it just works. Mm. It's delightful. I wish he put out an album. I'd buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Power Rangers are on the planet searching for the great power. And then Tommy reassures them, like, we may not have our power, but we're still the Power Rangers. It's kind of like, I'm Tony Stark. I'm Iron Man. I don't need the suits to be Iron Man. I'm going to blow them all up until the next Avengers movie when I have all my suits back. And nobody's going to question this. DC is better. I wasn't saying that it was north. That was not the road I was going down on. I just, I just found that just kind of funny. DC is better. And so the Tengu Warriors catch up with the Rangers and start attacking him and really start to hand it to the Rangers. And then they're saved by a certain Xena warrior wannabe, Dosia. If I is Dulcia, yes. Dulcia. And suddenly all the fathers in the movie theater sat up in their chairs. Yes, because she's scantily clad in like oh, like what is, uh, what, oh. Like, oh, like is there a matinee after this? Like I'll, I'll, I'll go see this again. Kids, you wanna come back later? Yeah. Wanna oh. come back tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> uh me too. Uh, <laughs> I'll come back without you. That'd be even better. When does this come out? Do you know when this comes out? Uh, oh man! And so, and we find out Dosia is the one who's doing who did the voiceover narration in the beginning of the movie and everything like that. And she berates the Rangers for coming there, knowing that they're probably going to die. And it's and they perk up, saying like, "Well, Zordon sets it," and that's when she turns her tune. Like, "Oh, Zordon set you here. 
So I guess that is not just a secret password to wherever you go, a secret password wherever you go. So wherever we go to different planets, we in, in, encounter new aliens. I think we should just drop the word Zordon just to yeah. see how they react. Well, very different reaction from when, from when Lord Zed said Zordon's name to Ivan Ooze in the beginning of the movie <laughs> because it's like, do you know Zordon? And then Ivan Ooze just goes. Bleh! I think he knows them. Shoots things out of his hands and everything. Which, which, all right, I I have to, I have to stop here. You could have made a drinking game rule every time you see VFX when it comes to lightning in this movie. Oh, oh yeah. And I'm like, and I even pointed out like, yeah, VFX lightning. I'm just like, and then like, as soon as I wrote that down, within the next three minutes, like five other iterations of electricity show up. I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys! I like, I mean, like, I know you have a smaller budget, like small budget for. Movie sake, like if he had a fifteen million dollar budget, shot probably ninety four, and like I understand, like electricity is like the cheapest VFX you can do and everything. Uh, you just wanted like, hey, those are easy. We could do those over and over, and so they did. Well, it still probably took like two weeks for one frame of that, right? To be rendered and yeah. everything. I mean, I'd rather take more electricity than more of those oozing effects being kind of cut out of it because it's a little wonky. Some of that oozing stuff. Just have Ivan Ooze tell jokes. I mean, that's that's the cheapest. That's the cheapest special effect and, you and got going on. And it's the best part of the movie. Yes. I mean... And so Dosia says, "All right, fine. I'll take you to the Great Power." And off in their journey, they go cue like Lord of the Rings music as they cross the lands of the planet. Yeah, this and true to Lord of the Rings fashion, this was the most boring part of the movie for me. Oh. I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings movies, so... I mean, hell, I mean, like, Justin and I are talking about doing a breakdown of, like, Lord of the Rings music, podcasts, everything like that. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of, like, based off, like, there's a podcast called Star Wars Oxygen where they break down the tracks from each of the individual Star Wars movies and how they... How that music resonates emotionally with the viewers and everything, and why that's so effective when synced up with the images. Oh, and that's interesting. Yeah, if I it, was into Star Wars, I would love that. You, would, I, I think, love that type like, of thing. Uh, even just like on a production, because he worked at Skywalker Sound. He's a bought like like I think he went to Boston uh, School of Music and everything like that. So it comes from a musician's uh, mindset, but it's also just a Star Wars fan, so that grounds it for people and everything. Even like in one episode when they're talking about Empire Strikes Back, there was a lot of music cut out in scenes and or altered so he took the altered audio and he synced it up with the movie where it's supposed to be and just like oh how it's supposed to play out and what the how the scenes would have been different emotionally with his new tracks in there so fascinating stuff and we may we may do something similar to that for lord of the rings anyway so the products get to the parents and they're starting to turn into zombies and then they're walking down the street to their Bit, do the bidding of Ivan Ooze. Well, this is where it starts to look like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> like, from the car pulling into the driveway, and then he gets home, and he's looking for the kid with the backwards hat. Like, everything from there, if you just cut out the Power Rangers scenes that were, you know, that they were cutting between, and you just strung all this stuff together with the parents, it would really seem like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, the premise fits, too. You know, I'm surprised the great Sardo didn't show up. At or some Professor board. Vink with, with a, a v- 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 Oh man, <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to cover Arya Free and Dark down the road now because I really want we to. We have to. Yes, absolutely have to. Oh, anyway, and like even like like the father opens up the ooze can to get zapped more electricity VFX, and he starts to walk out like a zombie and joins the group of people walking down the street. And I'm and I, I made the joke just saying like, oh. Off to buy the new iPhone right now because they're just just a horde of zombies at this point. <laughs> Off to vote for Trump. Zoozing. 
I'm not going to apologize for that. That's that's totally valid right there. You can tweet me at we're still soup. Yeah, if you really <laughs> go fuck yourselves, guys. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So they mentioned earlier this is a time sensitive situation that Zordon's not going to last much longer if they take too long. So they reach the edge of they're supposed to. They see the monolith where the great power is held and everything like that, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And then they do the ceremony when they get their ninja powers, and it's all cool and everything like that. And Docia says, I can't go any further because I would age just as like uh, as Zordon, so you must go on without me. And so like, okay. She transforms into an owl because she's wisdom and everything like that. Oh, yeah, very subtle. She flies away. And she bites a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> a one, a two, a three. So now they have these Ninjetti powers. And to me, Ninjetti sounds like a car that has video games built into it. Or or a jetty where you park your boat. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, so, they have their ninja powers. It's nighttime. They wait until daytime to cross the jungle. I'm like, all right, I guess you want to see where you're going and everything like that. But, like, it's a monolith. It's the biggest thing around. It's not like you're going to get lost. But well, they're, they're not used to doing things at nighttime. I mean, yeah, them going on nighttime before and, the, and well, morphed, I think, was a big thing for them. And I guess they're probably spooked about that because they lost their powers after that. Yeah. So maybe they didn't want to go, like, guys, I think you think Zordon could last a little bit longer until daytime? Yeah. He's, right. he's just there in his Snuggie. He'll be fine. Yeah, Alpha will keep him entertained and everything like that. And so they eventually venture off into the jungle and they come across this giant boneyard of all these kind of creatures. And they come across a triceratops, like a triceratops uh, reanimated skeleton. And I want more zombie dinosaurs now. Zombified dinosaur bones right now because, I mean, there's a, mar- sweet. There's, a, there's a market for this. But there's a thing that I noticed in this sequence that kind of became prevalent throughout the movie. Now, refresh my memory. Refresh my memory. Was Kimberly always the damsel in distress of the team? A lot of times, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think they walked a fine line between her being the damsel in distress for Tommy to save and also being able to kick ass on her own, which she did. Yeah. And there were some episodes where she flat out saved the entire team by herself. Right. I just feel like in this movie, she was damsel a lot. Well, that's a movie trope. Yeah. It really is. And it's just because, like, how many times are they like, ah, Tommy! And then Tommy would have to save her. And, like, I noticed in this scene, I'm like, all right, maybe that's not too bad. Because the Tengu fight happens the same way. I'm like, all right, maybe it's not, maybe twice is not terrible. But it happens a few more times throughout the movie. And, like, this is the point that I'm like, all right, that's, I just wouldn't know if it was just the screenwriters writing like that or if it was really indicative of the show at that point. No, I think I think the show was a little bit more almost progressive in that sense. Uh, um, I, that's what I was thinking, and that's what different I different creative teams involved with mm-hmm. both, and and there was a lot of disconnect. It's not the only thing that was different from the show to the movie, um, for better or worse. You know? Yeah, I mean, at one point, like they didn't have the uh, glass in their visors and in the when they were morphed and everything like that. There's the photographs of them like without the glass so you could just see who's wearing the helmets and everything like not like it matters at this point because they're so color coded you could have recognized who was who at that point yeah so they defeat the uh zombie uh dinosaur now if this movie had come out today or if the new power rangers movie that's coming out if this contains a zombified bones fight scene what are the odds that we get a reference to bone saw is ready <laughs> 
Hey, freak show, I got you for three minutes. I got for you for three minutes of playtime. You just know that. Because didn't they, what did they reference? What did they reference in this movie? Jurassic that, Park. Jurassic Park, yeah. Because it was the biggest movie in the world up to that point. Yeah, so I could easily see something like that happen if this movie came out today. Yeah. I hope there is a um, Bone Saw reference now to this. I'm going to be disappointed if it doesn't happen now. But DC is better. <laughs> except for Spider-Man. Spider-Man rules. I enjoy Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man. But I like most DC characters more than other Marvel characters. Although I do like the Netflix series. Yes, we'll be co- uh, hopefully be covering Luke Cage in the very near future as well. I love Luke Cage a lot. <laughs> um, so they reach the monolith and they're like, "How do we open it?" Like, let's walk up to this. Like, they see these weird kind of kind of skeletons and stone and everything like that. And Tommy's like, "Hmm, nothing to see here." And the skeletons come alive and it's, they're attacked by Gwar, a rock, <laughs> a rock form of Gwar at this point. And you brought this up during this fight. They like were, of course, the Power Rangers have always made jokes throughout all their fights and everything like that. Was this distracting for you? It seemed a little bit more amplified in the movie, just the amount of puns. Okay. I guess because in the TV show, it's just a lot of, uh, uh, watch out, Billy. Uh, uh, Right. Trini, what are you doing? Uh, Help. You know, (laughs) here, you know, they're cracking jokes. They're, you know, they're, they're trying out bits. And do you think that undermines the suspense of the scene? Well, I mean, it's Power Rangers. Yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest. They're, you know, they're facing the Road Warriors. <laughs> I don't... Oh, what a rush. All it needs is Paul Ellering in a shark cage. <laughs> and they'll drop drop a chain from the cage that they'd use, and then actually losing, they go flying into the crowd. NXT Toronto. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then the Authors of Pain... Razor and Akum come out just to get another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference. They are stupid. They're infants. <laughs> Clunk. All right, they're stupid infants. Anyway, back to the Power Rangers. And so they defeat Gwar and everything like that. The great power opens up and they get their new powers and everything like that. And they beam back to the planet. You look like you want to say something. The most disappointing part of this entire movie is the fact that they do not say, Ninja Ranger Power, now! Because that was always the best part of the TV show when they had the ninja powers. Mm. That would always be my favorite thing. It'd be a ninja episode. It'd be, yeah, they're going to say it. You know, I love that. I don't know why. Now, they also have their ninja uh, outfits at this point. Once, and like, your feelings on that versus their traditional morphed uh, look. I liked I like them having an you know alternate attire. Yeah, I, I I really thought it was cool. I mean, now granted, ninjas would not wear these bright colors. No, in any form or fashion. Uh, but yeah. I I just thought it you know me coming from a pro wrestling background, you know, it looked cool. They looked like Hayabusa. I I think it was they looked awesome. I love the ninja the, the anything the Ninja Rangers. I I. I love it. I'm complete no nostalgia for it because mm. I that that hit me at a time when I was a kid that I just thought that was like the coolest thing, even more so than the other suits mm. and the actual Power Rangers. I love that that whole season. That's the one that I watch, and I have that's the most nostalgic for me. Hmm. And so the Power Rangers beam back to the planet. At the same time. The parents, after being told to dig up the skeleton pieces to the 
two Zors that uh, things to things that whatever's that I have news is doing while the construction is going on. Ooze is kind of bored just watching the construction going on, and he tells one of the workers to dance, and does like a two iterations of surf dance, which is hilarious, accompanied with music, which we could not stop laughing. But I lost it when Goldo's like ballet, and then he starts doing a ballet dance and everything like that, and lost it. Absolutely lost it right there. And Fred notices, like, hey, there's something wrong here. My dad's ignoring me. Yeah, because your dad doesn't like you. That's why he wants to be there. How is this kid's name Fred? Well, you don't think it should be, like, Freddy or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, like, Fred? He sounds like he's 40. <laughs> yeah. Fred? I mean, even Frederick would sound younger than just Fred. There are certain names that you just can't picture a kid ever. Gertrude? Could you picture a kid being named Gertrude, a little girl? Not today. I mean, like, there's a lot of names coming back, but Gertrude's not one of them. Like, even old people who are named Gertrude, like, they had to be called something different when were they were you, a kid, Were right? you born old? Were you born looking like Zordon? They, they, they were born 80. <laughs> Gertrude was born 80. It's a curious case of Benjamin Button just born old and everything yeah. like that. Um, so the construction is complete on these new two Zords and everything like that, and he says, all right, done. All new parents, leap to your doom, which they immediately do. And Fred's like, hey, this is not good. And continues to try and follow him and skulk around and, and not be noticed by anybody important or anything like that. You know, I feel that this is an important bit of the movie just so we know what the Trump administration's next move is going to be. I mean, if we don't learn from history. Yeah. History is born to repeat itself and everything like that. I, I think, like, the parents, like, leaping to him and, like... On their own volition, like, yeah, it's a metaphor for what could be potentially happening to this nation and everything like that. You can tweet him at Timothy. <laughs> yeah, go, I, by all means, you like I, I am uh, not a fan of this administration and everything like that. I've made my points abundantly clear here and elsewhere. So, so you know what I don't like about this movie is that there's no Ernie and there's no juice bar. <laughs> You fucking should have. Mine tricked me into that situation there, sir. Uh, yeah, I, that's what this movie is missing. Is no Ernie. I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, at some point they need to get like free food that would never be served at a juice health bar. conscious juice bar. Yes. And it's funny that we don't hear the bulk of Skull theme. Like, grand. Okay. Well. To be fair, we don't hear any of the music from the TV show, and that was one of the best parts of the TV show. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my my love of heavy metal stems from Ron Wasserman's Ron Wasserman's Power Rangers Judas Priest inspired music. The fight music in this movie was just so bad, so bad. I mean, I think there was one of them was a Devo song. Yes, it was. Action boy, now action, whatever, whatever the hell that was. I mean, listen, I have nothing against Devo. It just didn't fit. It just seemed like they picked the most random, like somebody put like their iPod on shuffle, even though they didn't have them back then. It was like, oh, here's, here. There's the jukebox. Devo, Van Halen. Here you go. There you go. We'll we'll get to that. But like the fight music, it just was so underwhelming. And then even during the Zord fight, which we'll get to when the Power Rangers theme comes in, it's a shitty new version of it. And I, it just, it doesn't feel like the Power Rangers. And I think that speaks to the point that a lot of the heart of that show was in that music by Ron Wasserman. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of goes with tone 
I mean, there are silly moments to this movie and everything like that. But do you think this movie takes itself a little too seriously? In parts, yeah. In the parts where it's like the big epic battles and the Zord fights and the things like that, that that was my biggest tune-out factor. And the stuff with finding the great power and all of that. And, and, that's where I feel like it got a little bit like, all right, this is getting this is getting very far from why I love the show. Mm. And like even during, like you're saying during the sword on like the, the sword fight, not the sword on fight, the sword fight. Sword <laughs> uh, <laughs> on, hold on, why put me down? Is toss sword on's body at Ivan Houston. Uh He corkscrews, flips into <laughs> <laughs> into Ivan Hoos. Um and uh and like the sword fight, I'm like, oh, this fight's still going on. Oh man, and I'm like, and I said, and I, I happily see through the climax of Man of Steel and how long that takes for him to kill everything like oh, that. Oh boy! And I'm like, I'll watch that anytime. And I'm like, this is like a fraction of that. And I'm like, Jesus, this is still going on. And they and they're just making it go, and they try to uh, speed it up by cross cutting to the parents walking to Doom very slowly, which also begs the question: How far is that fact, and how far away from that is that to the ravine? Because at least a couple, cause the sun is up when they're leaving. Grand, the sun could be going down and everything like that, and a couple hours could have gone by, or at least an hour could have gone by. But it seems like a while has gone by by the time they get to the construction site. Yeah, it's like years. <laughs> it's like by that time there will be train tracks built, and they'll go safely across, across the, the ravine. ravine. What about the uh, train? I'll be a cash traffic. Uh, just, uh, oh, I forget what the hell he said. It'll says. be a spectacular wreck. Yes. Too bad nobody will be around to see it. Help me! Great Scott! And launched into one of the greatest horse horse uh, chase scenes ever made. Anyway, and so they summon their new ninja swords and everything like that. And it proves the points. The ninja swords, like all the swords by themselves, are useless. Except for the frog zord, which comes in with a ribbit. And and a ribbit and everything like that. You're is like, the second most delightful part of this movie. Behind Ivan Second, Second only to Ivan Ooze. Yes. And of course, Tommy's Falcon. If Ivan was riveted, then the, Z- the Frog Zord would be null and void. Yes, and they destroy the Scorpion uh, Zord, and like Ivan is like no, and he jumps into the other one. They have a big Zord fight. They lead him up into the stars to blow him up and everything like that. After they, once uh, Ivan is transformed, he's approaching the Zords. Everything like that destroys the monorail. Fred, at the same time, has gotten all the kids together who are partying with the ooze like they're at the like Nickelodeon using the gack. The gack. And like, hey, your parents are being brainwashed, which we never actually see the conclusion of them convincing them. And they just kind of like, your parents are being brainwashed, cut away. And I'm like, all right, I guess they just took it by his word. It's not like how Hocus Pocus, like, the witches are back and they're right over there. And like... Oh wow, wow, he's right. And they just kind of party on regardless. They don't they don't take any of his uh claims to, to be too seriously at that point. They jump on the monorail and they're racing towards our and the kids Fred turns on the monorail. He sets them off to stop the uh parents from jumping into the construction site. Now, he notices the monorail is destroyed and like, oh my god, we're gonna crash. Like, kid, you turn on the fucking monorail. There's got to be an e-brake right in front of you. Sure, you may not be able to stop in time, but like, don't be like, duh, all right, I guess I'm going off the edge just like my parents are. Like, no, you are your father's son like that. You're just looking for an easy way out. Never trust a kid named Fred. No, 
And I love and my, my brother-in-law. I, I, he's named Fred. I love him and everything like that. But he's that. not an eight-year-old with a backwards hat. No. I've ever seen him with a... He does wear a backwards hat where we could have met skates without thinking about but it. But he's not eight years old. No, he's not. He's not a spunky kid in a 90s movie. No. <laughs> and so, Tommy saves him by providing the, enough space with the Falcon Zords. And they coast across and everything like that because, you know, science and everything. Kids go and try and stop the parents by hosing them down and everything like that. Tommy joins the Zords. They bring Ivan up into... The sp- it's space to throw him into a comet, which works, and it's interesting. And this goes back to tone because they're wrestling with him in space, trying to get him off because he won't let go of the Zord. And Aisha's just like, "All right, only one thing to do: hits the emergency button, and the Zord kicks him in the balls and knees him in the balls to send him into the comet." Now the Power Rangers are all about using weapons for defense and everything, like that, and being the humanitarians and anything like that. Do you want your kids to be kicking, kneeing each other in the balls because of this? Listen, if the ref's not looking, then it's it's perfectly legal. That's true. All right, then I guess you, I guess you're right. It's not you don't you don't consider that to be a heel move. Listen, Eddie Guerrero said, "If you're not cheating, you're not trying." That is true. As long as the ref doesn't see it. Hmm. I wonder if Roman Reigns is going to cheat to win over the Undertaker this year. <laughs> that'll be the that'll be the official heel turn for Roman Reigns in the hearts and minds of everybody. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Guys. You know what? They, you know what they should really do to endear Roman Reigns to the audience? Mm-hmm. Swap him out with Ivan Ooze. Well, yeah, I mean Ivan Ooze, and I mean he'll have a possibly a better entrance than Undertaker. Oh to- my God, Ivan Ooze versus the Undertaker. Yes, <laughs> I mean, you've I- done it now, Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> they have like they'll have like a wizard battle in in the in the squared circle and everything like that. So Ivan News is destroyed via a comet. The parents are saved. Now Fred uses a giant uh fire hose to stop the parents from going over the edge, trying to wake them up. At the same time, the kids are pushing against them, trying to prevent them from going over the edge. Of... It's like a mini game in Mario Party. Yes. Bubble balls. <laughs> now, after Ivan Ooze is destroyed, that's when the parents snap out of it. And I wonder, is it because of that or is it because of the actual using the fire hose that really saved the parents? I don't know. I don't think they know. I don't, no. think, I don't think the writers know. If and, I was writing this movie, the parents would be very upset because the best part of the entire movie just died. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, God. And... and uh, I made the joke where, like, one of the kids is probably getting took, like, to the back of the head. So he's got a splitting headache and possibly a bursted eardrum because he took a fire hose uh, precious of the year. Thanks, Fred. You stupid backwards hat. Um, before we go any further, the Zords themselves and the CGI of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's what the charm of the original series is, that they were miniatures. Yeah. And everything like that. And people in the suit and everything. And... Hell, I mean, they even use like their toys from the commercials yeah. to, at one point. I mean, and that looked more, I guess, endearing than the CGI that we had in this movie. Well, I think that's like you said, that's part of the charm of the TV show. It's super low rent, you know. It's cheesy stuff like that. You know, what you're getting into for it. Yeah, but you know what? You know, I was never the biggest fan of the Zord fights, even on the show. 
And especially now, when if like if you were to go binge watch a bunch of episodes on Netflix, you'd probably want to skip past a lot of the Zord fights because it's just monotonous and it's a little bit of the same thing. But I'll take any Zord fight any day on the TV show over what we got in this movie because, like, I might as well go watch Transformers, yeah, or something like that. If I just you know, it's just stuff I just don't care about, and I'd rather be spending my life doing other things, like watching the Ivan Ooze scenes over. Yes. Now, that's one of the things I'm kind of concerned about for the new movie. Is like is, is that it, Ivan Ooze isn't it? Yeah, me too. Of course. <laughs> no, that um, the fights, the Zord fights are going to be very Transformers-like. Yeah. Uh, and it's and I, I realized that when watching this, because... This movie looks very much like kind of like a how Spielberg movie would move, like a lot of crane shots, a lot of dolly shots, and everything. And that's obviously a style that everybody's tried to ape after, and everything like that. Since Michael Bay has come on the scene, a lot of movies have like leaned towards that way. And it definitely seems like that with the Power Rangers movie. I just hope. I mean, you look at the Ninja Turtles like rebooted movie and sequel. That's very. It's produced by Michael Bay, so it looks like a Michael Bay movie. I'm concerned if that's what's going to happen with the new Power Rangers movie, but only time will tell when that movie comes out. You will hear a review from it on it from this show. And the movie ends with the team celebrated with a fireworks show. I ball- got the power. Yeah, it's not a 90s movie until that song comes I on. I love that song. That's one of the best songs in the 90s. I stand by that. Yes. And Bulk of Skull is still trying to take credit for the Power Rangers uh, deeds and everything like that because... That's what they do. Now, not enough bulk and skull in this movie. No, I mean, there's probably more bulk that we met at the one Mets game we went to. <laughs> uh, would you want to explain that story? Uh, you know, I had completely forgotten about that until uh, now. I, I, when then we opened up, we saw bulk and skull. I'm like, oh my god, I'm totally bringing that story up. I completely forgot about that. I don't. I don't even think I remember that. So, you. Our friend Jason, Drew, and I was it was that was that the four? Pretty sure Drew Howard was it was it was Eric there? Was Eric? I think Eric was there. So I think Justin was, a, was there too. So it was the six of us, the whole crew. Okay, so a bunch of our Suffolk uh, community college friends and I, uh, us were all together. We went to a Mets game and everything like that. And periodically, security guards come through to check on to make sure everything is doing all right. Now, one of the guards that that would patrolled our area looked a lot like bulk of bulk and skull oh, yeah. yeah now i remember the bulk security guard yeah and they like every time you pop up and would just survey the area both of us would lean to each other and just start humming the, <laughs> da, 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 da. i mean one of one of our mythical figures second only to the shack janitor i think who there's people up here no one's Hop, gonna skip it around at the mets game oh man i mean i think this is the second best thing for that game other than lou grant singing the national anthem it was terrible <laughs> at it oh man it was very foreign to me anyway anyway so the movie ends and then we get kind of a post credit scene a little bit with Goldar and the pig just like discussing like I will be the new evil doers in this universe and then all of a sudden Samuel L. Jackson comes out and it's like oh it's called the Mighty Morphin Initiative DC is better <laughs> and Rita and Zed return and except like, for Samuel L. Jackson of course I like him if you find somebody who's I wish Samuel L. Jackson was in DC movies oh yeah find somebody who doesn't like Samuel L. Jackson I bet you they vape they probably vape yeah yeah bastards so the movie ends all right your feelings on this movie now watching it as an adult well i can't say that 
my feelings on it are really as strong as a lot of the other movies I watched as a kid. Because there were movies I just watched over and over and over. Mm. And this wasn't one of them. I actually didn't even own this movie. I'd seen it in the theater. I'm pretty sure that's the only time that I actually saw this movie until I got it on DVD or whatever the case, you know, when I was much older. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you take out Ivan Ooze, there's not a whole lot there for me to enjoy. Like 60% of this movie is Ivan Ooze. But 100% of this movie for me (laughs) is Ivan Ooze. You know, there's no question. Love the Ivan Ooze. Other than that, I just felt like the Rangers weren't interesting at all in this movie, which is a contrast to the show, which you love them in the show, you know? Most of them. Yeah. You know? They're the entire show. That's the reason you watch the show, because you're connected to the ring. You love the Rangers. You love the team. You know? It's not like it's some big high-concept show, and you're just, oh, your mind is blown at the storytelling. You know, you watch for the Rangers. Mm. And I felt like they were almost secondary in this movie to Ivan Ooze. To to be fair, if you're going to be secondary to someone, might as well be Ivan Ooze, because let's face it, he's the best thing in this entire movie. Right. now, Possibly the best thing in the entire Power Rangers franchise. (laughs) Who, which ranger do you think shines the most despite all that in this movie? You know, I can't say that anyone in particular stands out. I'll tell you who really fades into the background. Rocky yeah. and Adam. Can't say Billy did a whole lot. No. When I think of who's actually part of this movie, I think of Kimberly yep. and Tommy and to a lesser degree Aisha. Those are the, the people that really, like, I remember having some sort of a part. Yeah. I don't know why it is. Tommy, because he's the leader, obviously. Kimberly, because she's pretty much the second leader at this point. Yeah. Because she's way more important than Rocky, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, Rocky, he's just... Yeah, I get. I bet you we can't wait to get the Turbo, because Rocky's not part of the team, pretty much, because he injures himself. I would have preferred Bullwinkle be, be the Red <laughs> Ranger. Kind of, uh... <laughs> it's moving to... <laughs> he has the antlers coming out of the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. There's a, gen, a genuine laugh, folks. You don't. You, you don't. You didn't realize that I had a good bullwinkle, did you? <laughs> I've never heard you do your bullwinkle impression. <laughs> well, never been a time until now. Bullwinkle doesn't come up that often. I know, but oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Imagine Ivan Ooze doing Bullwinkle. Oh, oh, jeez. That'd be too much. I, then I'd really be crying tears. We would have turned into Ooze. Oh. Wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks, right there. I, I lost it like that. <laughs> that was a genuine laugh. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like Those three are the ones that really stand in. Like, Adam like has like the one line like when he's when they get all their ninja powers and they're talking about them. And he's like, I'm a frog. <laughs> and of course, I, I'd love that. De- I'd love that delivery and everything. But uh, and then he would go on to form Trivium. <laughs> it waves. Anyway, so do you think power like if the completionist Power Rangers fan? Do you think like he should watch this, like watch season one and season two, and then go to this and then go to season three, or do you think like watch the series and then eventually come back to this? Do you think it should be in that order? I think watch the series, mm-hmm. you know, do that, 
and then look on YouTube for a supercut of all of Ivan Ooze's scenes and watch that. Yes. And then you're good. You've yeah. got all you need. In fact, you've had a better experience. Yes. Now, let's talk a little bit about the music really quick. Um, you say you express your opinions. Like, Do you think none of the orchestral stuff works? Dumb work. And you know, that's one of my concerns for the movie coming up. Yeah. Because so much of Power Rangers is the... Well, maybe less so in the newer seasons. Mm. But those early seasons, that Ron Wasserman music... Yeah. that was It was one of the magical elements that tied everything together. And when you have it just sounding like any other... You know, even like VR Troopers, mm. that had its own kind of cool sounding music. And Ron, I think Ron Wasserman also probably composed for that show as well. So because didn't Saban produce that as well? Yeah, that was another Saban product. Gotcha. So, and uh, and Be- was Beetleborgs like they all had their own yeah. sonic stamp, and that's very important. And I feel in a lot of superhero movies, especially the more generic type of stuff, it all kind of blends together, and you got the generic orchestral score and mm. whatever the case. And it doesn't have that that sonic stamp that you hear it and you immediately associate this is Power Rangers as soon as you hear it. Yeah. As cheesy as those guitars in the Ron Wasserman uh, fight music mm. was and, and, and the Go-Go Power Rangers and everything like that, as soon as you hear that, you know what it is. It brings back those feelings. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And he just composed this really cool, like, operatic Judas Priest-style metal. Yeah. And it just somehow fit the show to a T. Mm. And that when you hear it with other music, it just it takes away a gigantic element of that. So that was the main thing that I didn't like about this movie was a lot of the music cues. You know, I like the Red Hot the Red Hot Chili Peppers song in the in the intro, of course. You know, because that that kind of it fit. You know, for the time and whatever the case, it's a good song. You know, I liked I got the power at the end because. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a great song. But a lot of the uh, the Devo song, you know, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And even going to Van Halen at the end just felt a little bit out of place. Mm. It's a great song. It's a nice moment. It fits the tone of that moment. It just, it seems a little bit Suicide Squad-esque. Right. In its execution of, well, it's... Throw a bunch of these songs here, cause that's what you do, right? Well, I mean, like I, I think like pop songs in movies can work and they can be appropriate as long as they are emotionally consistent with the scene they're going with. Like, I'll defend the Suicide Squad's music cues because they're used as they're used as musical introductions to scenes and characters and everything like that. And like each character would have a theme, and they kind of like. And it's like, because there's so much information you had to convey and everything like that. So having a musical sound, a musical bed to kind of like sink into like, yeah. okay, I, I get you what they're saying. It's easier that way. And now like Stephen Price's original score for Suicide Squad, if you listen to us on, on its own, it's really good. And I'd say recommend do that. Now, we've seen the pop music in the trailers for the new Power Rangers movie. It definitely seems like it's going to be pop. Aesthetic. It's gonna be a lot of needle drops and everything like that, and the actual score. It's probably gonna be kind of generic. I, I, I hope not. I'll, I'll I will eat my words if it. If, yeah. like, if like we leave the theater humming a new theme and everything. Um, I doubt that. I doubt it. I mean, like it's action boy. Now. <laughs> I mean, it's like the only like people like I like stuff I listen to like of new stuff that I come out like listening to and listening to the melodies is like. As much as he gets shit, it's like Hans Zimmer stuff, like from what the DCEU movies that we'll hear, like 
I love I love the Batman v Superman score, like specific cues, like a beautiful lie, uh, fight night, and everything, and the Wonder Woman theme. Which the I'm Wonder just... Woman theme, I think, is the best piece of music produced for a superhero movie in decades. Yeah, probably since Batman '89. Since Batman '89, and maybe even like Danny Elfman's Spider Man theme, like. I mean, like, which is not not, not as easily like, you get, like, yeah, I think for a few moments to yeah. like to get that back to you, but like, yeah, just like that opening cello chords and everything like that, and going back to the Power Rangers movie here, yeah, like like they at least they attempted to do the Power Rangers score with an orchestra, like rather than just like, omit it altogether and just had generic pop songs in there, I'll appreciate the fact they attempted. Swing and a miss. Yeah, just you know, give Ron Wasserman his due. Yes. Give you know, is it really that hard to just say, well, this guy makes great music for the for show. TV. Let's. What do they think? That doesn't sound big enough for the movie. Give him a big enough budget, he would do. It's tremendous. Power Rangers. Yes. Yeah. You know, first of all, it's Power Rangers. Second of all, yes, give him a bigger budget. You know, give him more of more turnaround time. And he'll work up to the level of the production. Yes. The Power Rangers TV show was a cheap production. And the music, while cheap sounding, yes, Mm. we can say that, it's great. Yes. It's endearing. If you gave him time and the resources, I guarantee you he would have come up with something a million times better than whatever was in this movie. You think of like a situation that comes to mind. You think of the first Terminator, Brad Fidel, $6 million budget for the movie altogether. And like he had a few keyboards, and then you have like the, the Terminator theme, like bum 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 bum, and you're like, that's endearing. And then it comes to T two, and you have bum 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 bum. Give him a bigger budget, and he knows the world, and he knows the kind of tone it goes for, and he exceeds the expectations because yeah. he has more uh more. And like I know it's saying good carpenter never blames his tools and everything like that, but you give him no, better but- tools, like. Exactly. More tools, he can accomplish more. Yeah, you rise to the level of your production. Yes. If, if Ron Wasserman was sitting here doing Junkie XL scores for the Power Rangers TV show, that would also not fit, you know? No. I mean, like, because Junkie XL knows the tone it has to go for and it goes for it with that. Speaking of which, I apologize. That that feed I tagged you in last weekend, it's fake. It was not oh, a yeah. leak. And I, I felt that, yeah. and I felt rather foolish after that. But anyway... um. Yeah, so the score is like, eh, they attempted swing and a miss. Not not the worst thing in the world, but now, do you think the filmmakers, while they're making this movie, do you think it was just a job to them? Do you think they actually respected what they were doing? With the, Do you think it was just like, all right, yeah, here we go. It's kind of like the same, probably the same, like the same mindset that when it came to like the super friends of the 70s and saying like oh yeah these funny books we got to make an anime show and everything like that that's how i feel do you feel like they had respect for the source material while they're making this movie no because i get the same vibe from this that i get watching batman and robin you know mm. this was made to be marketed and yeah all movies are made to be marketed yeah, to sell toys it, it, and merchandise. yeah, yeah. but this was specifically made it's like oh here we go there's there's it's so there's, shrewd there's about no, it there's no art to this yeah and to be fair that's the tv show as well it just so happens that the TV show is endearing as all hell, mm. and this movie is a soulless attempt at recreating that and putting it on a bigger scale, mm. and it fails because, you know, in wrestling, there's a term of someone being a small room act. Mm. So to say that, you know, maybe somebody can get over really well on the indies and work well in front of maybe a few thousand people, 
and they're a star to those people mm. and they come off great. But in, in, you know, you put them on the big stage, you put them in front of millions of people on national television. Maybe it doesn't work. There's a disconnect mm-hmm. or you lose something. And I feel that this is one of those cases where the Power Rangers TV show is a small room act, a small screen act. And you put it, this incarnation of it on the big screen and it wasn't, it didn't work. It didn't connect. There's just something that does not work for this type of, I don't, it just seems so generic. It just seems so paint by numbers. So you did not enjoy this movie. Oh, I love this movie Mm. because Ivan Ooze, (laughs) for all that I've just said, Ivan Ooze is a delight and a half. Mm. And I would gladly watch this movie any day just to watch Ivan Ooze because that's the one thing it really had going for it. And now, having said that, I don't think Power Rangers in general is a small room act. Mm. I think you can present a good Power Rangers movie. They didn't do it with Turbo. No. Turbo seems, Turbo seems a lot smaller in comparison to this. Yeah, it, it does. And maybe that's to its benefit in some ways, but I am optimistic about the new movie. Yeah. Now, I... I think we're all kind of past wanting everything to be dark and gritty and brooding and wanting a serious Power Rangers. You know? I know, then that's kind of the complaints for the trailers we've been getting of this new movie. I, I don't kind of I don't get the brooding n- nature of. It. I think it's a more serious tone. For yeah, sure. they say it's like it's chronicle. But I get a lot of hope out of the trailer. I get a lot of a like a good the good type of feeling that you want going into a superhero movie. I think mm. and. I think for a certain time I would have said, "Eh, I want to see Dark Power Rangers. I want to see I want to see the Green Ranger just being a badass and just killing people mm. and but you got that in the form of a short film a couple of years ago. And it was garbage. <laughs> and you know, the old It proved a point that it that that can't work. I think the older I get, the more the kind of like Superman optimism speaks to me in a lot of ways whereas when I was younger, I was like, "No, fuck that." You mm. know, Darkness, brooding. Ugh. Yeah, and I, I and I kind of agree. It's kind of like those times where you like get a little older, and like as you get, I wouldn't say like you turn on the news, you look out the window, and, and you're like, oh god, and you just like, and you want those kind of yeah. characters of integrity and everything. Yeah, and like I, I wish Melissa, Melissa Benoist could just fly in and save everything. Yes, sadly, oh. that is not the real world. We'll be covering Supergirl down the line. Don't worry, guys. So yes. a lot more Supergirl coming. In. Final thoughts. Ivan Ooze is a delightful man. Mm-hmm. He saved this movie as mm-hmm. only he can. Oh. He's was... also he's also my favorite rapper now. Yes. Um. Yeah. So I really like. I like is. Cheesy it is, and the complaints we still have. It was still enjoyable to watch this, and I still found myself enthralled, and everything like that. I wasn't like, other than like the weird, like kind of like Zord fight at the end. I was like, never really checked or watched or anything like that. I enjoyed myself watching this, and if you're a Power Ranger fan in the in any of the remote sense, I think you'll enjoy this flick. So track it down whenever you can, and tell us how you feel about it. If you want to tell us how you feel about it and how you feel about this podcast, you can find us on our social media. So where can they find you on social media, Chris? Well, on social media, you can find me at we're still soup. W E R E S T I L L S O U P. I hope people know how to spell still. And I mean, like, come on, that's, those are easy things to spell, but sometimes I tell people my Twitter handle and they're like, they're what you're what you're, you're still what, 
You're who? I'm still soup. <laughs> We're still soup. And what? Well, how'd you come up with that in the first place? I never asked you. Well, it's a reference to an episode of The Cosby Show where Theo Huxtable goes with his friend to a corporate mixer just to eat free food and winds up getting a job in the marketing department of the Tartan Soup Company. With the phrase, we're still soup. Huh. Well, the more you know. I mentioned that on Music of the Mat. Yes, you did. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. I apologize. Ah, jeez. Speaking of which. Yes, transition. (laughs) I, I, hey, I have a podcast. You do? I, yeah! (laughs) I've done this before! (laughs) Where can they find this said podcast? Well, I do a podcast called Music of the Mat, which is a podcast dedicated exclusively to the music of professional wrestling. Uh, If you didn't pick up on the references littered throughout this episode. Yes. uh, Gigantic Wrestling Fan. So you can find me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can search for Voices of Wrestling in iTunes or Stitcher or your podcast app of choice. A great feed filled with a bunch of different shows, about a dozen shows covering everything in the world of wrestling, U.S., Japan, U.K., and there we are, me and my co-host Andrew, which we talk about wrestling theme music, mm-hmm. and believe me, it's a lot more fun than it sounds. And you have you have a new episode in the pipeline, don't you? We do. Uh, on our next episode, which may or may not be out by the time this comes out, mm-hmm. we will be covering a bunch of wrestlemania themes because it is wrestlemania season so we're going to talk about some of the theme songs for wrestlemania some of our past episodes include the undertaker aj styles most recently the nwo so yeah give us a listen uh if you if you like if you if you like the cut of my jib give it a listen because there's plenty more of that nice. and uh and yeah so check that out thank you nice and if you want to follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at timothy rooney too Instagram, T Rooney 12. Who, 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 who's the other one? I don't know. Who is he? Some schmuck. He doesn't have a podcast. No. But he probably vapes. Probably vapes. Yeah. Probably vapes, voted for Trump, thinks Marvel's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can follow, like I said, you follow me on Instagram at, at T Rooney 1012, and you can follow my Facebook and YouTube page under the name Through the Lens Productions, where one of my short films that Chris helped me on called A Cowardly Lot is on. The. Cowardly Lot's been into three film festivals up until this point. And it's funny that we mentioned the films and everything and working together because we're working on a very big project that is coming hopefully by summertime. It will be out and and to the world and everything like that. It involves a certain superhero character, but I won't say anything more from that. Where's the trigger? Yes. So I hope everybody's enjoyed this uh, review of the Mighty Morphin Power Bridge of the movie from 1995. Chris, thank you for joining me for this. Thank you for having me. I I love talking about the Power Rangers. We didn't even have to record this. No. I think we would have had the same exact conversation had we not been recording. Yes. I mean, how many conversations have we had saying, damn, why didn't we have mics rolling? Yeah. Like, every time we hang out. Yes. We could just put up some mics and, and there you go. Yeah, I think we're I think we're entertaining enough to justify that, but I think... Well, I just pat ourselves on the back while we're at it. Uh, so, hope everybody's enjoyed this review. And if you want to follow, you can obviously if you want to help support the show, give us an iTunes review. Give five us stars. Five stars. Don't be afraid. Five stars. And if you leave an iTunes review, we'll, we'll read it on the air and give you a shout out. So, thank you everybody for. Unless listening. your name is Fred and you're eight years old. <laughs> You can also follow this podcast on SoundCloud.com, uh, the Anything Goes podcast with Dash Tim Rooney. You'll be able to find it there. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.
trying to think of something witty to say at the end, but I can't think of anything. Ooze. I'm still trying to think of something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. DC is bad. <laughs> Uh, just just do a Jamie. I like Batman. <laughs> I like Ivan Ooze. All right. And that's enough. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>